A warm welcome to you all this morning. Before we start our service this morning, we have a very special event happening, and Elaine's going to come up. Hello. Hands up if you can remember what happened in 1921. If you were here in 1921, put your hands up. Anybody? Anybody here in 1921? Oh, we have one person. Well, I'd like you to come up here with me, please. This, ladies and gentlemen, for those who don't know, is a very special lady. Charlotte was 100 on Wednesday this week. Charlotte, how does it feel to be 100? Can I quote Maurice Chevalier, who said it was fine considering the alternative? (laughs) I hadn't even prompted her to say anything, so that was really, really good. Charlotte, um, sometimes we mark birthdays by singing, and we all, those at home as well, would like to sing to you, happy birthday. a lovely way to start the service. Loving God, we come this day to praise you, to celebrate your great goodness. We come with thanksgiving, joy and wonder, reminding ourselves of the richness of your creation and acknowledging your faithfulness in providing for all our needs. We thank you that you are a great big God. We praise you that you are greater than our minds can grasp, that you are higher than our highest thoughts and beyond expression in our words. We praise you that you are the source of all that is and has been, that you are at work in our world and in our lives, always seeking to fulfill your purposes, never resting until your will is accomplished. We praise you that you came to our world in Christ and that through him you come to us again, revealing your love, renewing our faith, showing your mercy, giving us life. Forgive us when we have not appreciated all you have done, when we have not kept our first sense of wonder at your greatness, when we have not given you the praise that is rightfully yours. When we have limited you to our own expectations, when we have been closed to your Holy Spirit's prompting, when we have kept Christ at arm's length, especially when his challenge has disturbed us, yet we thank you for the mercy you always show us, that you constantly reach out to cleanse and renew us. Come to us as we worship you this morning. Remind us of your faithfulness through all our lives. Help us to grow stronger in faith, more committed in discipleship, 
more faithful in the service of Christ. And hear us now as we pray together the words that Jesus taught, saying, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and give us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours now and forever. Amen. I'm going to do something a wee bit different now. This is about where we normally have our Bible reading. But today we're looking at Ruth chapter 2. So it lended itself, in my mind, to this form of dramatized reading. So I'm going to introduce the characters and they're going to come up on stage here. So we've got Boaz and we have the overseer. And then we have Naomi and then we have Ruth and I'm going to be the narrator. Okay, so just remember back to last week. So we're now moving into the harvest time. And Naomi has come back to Bethlehem. And she has a relative by marriage, a man prominent and rich, who was connected with her husband Elimelech's family, and his name was Boaz. I'm going to work. I'm going out to glean among the sheaves, following some harvester who will hopefully treat me kindly. Go ahead, my daughter. So Ruth went out to work. She entered a field and she began to glean behind the harvesters. And it turned out that she was working in the field belonging to Boaz, who, she remember, was from the clan of Elimelech. So Boaz had been away and he arrived back in Bethlehem and greeted the harvesters. The Lord be with you. The Lord bless you. Who is that young woman? Where does she come from? Why, that's the Moabite girl, the one who came with Naomi from the country of Moab. She asked permission to gather among the sheaves following your harvesters. She's been at it steady ever since, from the early morning until now, without so much as a break. Listen, from now on, don't go to any other field to glean. Stay right here in this one, and stay close to my young women. Watch where they are harvesting and follow them. Do not worry about a thing. I've given orders to my servants not to harass you. When you get thirsty, feel free to go and drink from the water buckets that the servants have filled. Why have I found such favour in your eyes that you notice me, a foreigner? I have heard all about you, heard about the way you treated your mother-in-law after the death of her husband, and how you left your father and mother and the land of your birth and have come to live among a bunch of total strangers. May the Lord repay you for what you have done. May you be richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. Oh, sir, such grace, such kindness. I don't deserve it. You've you've touched my heart, treated me like one of your own, and I don't even belong here. So Ruth worked in the field till it was time for lunch. Come over here, have some bread and dip it in the wine vinegar. So Ruth joined the harvesters. Boaz passed the roasted grain to her. She ate as much as she could and she still had some left over. Then she got up and went back to work and Boaz spoke to his servants. 
Let her glean where there's still plenty of grain on the ground. Make it easy for her. Better yet, pull up some of the good stuff out and leave it for her to gather. Give her special treatment. So Ruth gleaned in the field until evening. When she threshed out what she had gathered, she ended up with nearly a full sack of barley. So she went back to town and showed her mother-in-law Naomi the results of her day's work. And she also gave her some leftovers from her lunch. So where did you glean today? Whose field? God bless whoever it was who took such good care of you. The man I worked with today was called Boaz. Why, God bless that man. God hasn't quite walked out on us yet, after all. He still loves us, in bad times as well as good. That man is our close relative. He is one of our guardian redeemers. Oh, he, he told me to stay with his workers until they finished harvesting all the grain. That's wonderful, dear daughter. Do that. You'll be safe in the company of this young woman. No danger of being harmed in someone else's field. So Ruth stayed close to Boaz's young woman, gleaning in the fields every day until both the barley and wheat harvesting were finished and she continued living with her mother-in-law. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your love and for your grace through which you reached out and brought us into your family. We thank you for all that that means to us as individuals and as members of this part of your family at Barclay Viewforth. We thank you for the compassion, the patience, the kindness and the encouragement you show and give us every day. And we pray that you would help us to do likewise in our daily lives. Help us to be a Boaz to those people we meet who are lost, displaced, and in need of that compassion and kindness. We pray for the homeless, for those suffering mental illness, for the bereaved, for those whose lives and livelihoods have been destroyed as a result of the pandemic. We pray for those who have been forced to leave their homes, their families, their communities and their countries to seek safety and a new life without fear of violence, oppression, and even death. Help us to be a Boaz, directly in practical ways and indirectly by supporting those who work with immigrants, the homeless, and those with mental health issues. We pray too for those working in the NHS, in social care, and in our emergency services who have already endured a period of unprecedented demands on their time, skills, and energy, and who now face yet more pressure this winter. By your Spirit, encourage, equip, and enable them to continue to meet those demands with compassion, patience, and love. Grant them renewed energy and strength, coupled with determination and resolve to serve the people they've been called to serve. We pray too for the policy and decision makers that they may be enabled to direct funding and human resources to where they are needed to ease the burden on the frontline workers. We pray for those who are already suffering from the effects of shortages and of the increasing cost of living. 
We pray for wise and practical decisions by our government which will deal with the causes and which will ease the pressure on those struggling to buy enough food, fuel, or energy. We pray your blessing on all the organizations and initiatives which aim to ease these burdens. And this morning, Father, we pause to remember the family of the MP David Amos, who was brutally murdered on Friday. May they and the whole community which he served and which respected and loved him know your comfort at this time. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're continuing in our story of Ruth, which we started last week. Last week, we saw Naomi, Elimelech, and their sons leave Bethlehem in a time of famine to look for food. And they went to the town, the country of Moab, and there the sons married Moabite women, Orpah and Ruth. But then tragedy struck as Elimelech and his sons died. The women were left on their own, three widows, Naomi decided to return to her homeland and encouraged her daughters-in-law to remain in Moab. And Orpah decided to do that, while Ruth, as we've heard last week, decided to return with her mother-in-law to Bethlehem, to the land she didn't know, to a people she didn't know, with a God she did not know, but she was loyal to Naomi. And they returned just as the barley harvest was starting. So this morning we're going to look at the events of chapter 2, which we've heard read. A day in the life of Ruth. A day which changes Ruth and Naomi's circumstances. A day that leads somewhere a bit unexpected, but, as we will see, was already part of God's gracious plan for Ruth. A day that moves from emptiness to fullness. And a new character is introduced in this chapter. Boaz, he's described as the relative of Naomi, a man of wealth, of integrity, from the clan of Elimelech. Family ties were very important in the Old Testament, and the real importance of this tie will become clearer next week when we look at chapter 3. But family at that time in Israel was at the heart, was at the center of the series of connected relationships to God to Israel, and to the land. We read that when God made his covenant with Abraham, every male was to be circumcised, no matter their age or status within the household. They be all became part of that covenant relationship with God. And at the Passover, all members of the household were kept safe by the mark of blood of the lamb on their doorposts family extended to the whole household. There were obligations on the wider family to help and protect one another. And the importance of Boaz being a kinsman is repeated again in verse 3 and will become even more important next week as the story unfolds. Now, family was important then and it's still important today. Family today might look a bit different than it did in Old Testament times. But remember, family is not just parents with children, but the extended family. We might not live as close together now as they did then, but we're still connected and we're still important. 
And as members of the family of God, we're very important to each other, to look out for each other and to care for each other. So the main characters we have in our story now are Naomi, Ruth, and Boaz. But behind them all is God. God is working away in the background. He's still being a faithful God to Naomi and Ruth, even if they can't quite see that yet. And God's faithfulness can be seen in three different ways in this chapter. So first, we have the faithfulness of provision. God is providing for Naomi and Ruth. They had returned with no way of supporting themselves in a culture and a time when widows were not looked after. They were shunned to the edges of society. There was no state benefits at the time they could apply for. Life could be pretty bleak for a widow. But Ruth decides to be proactive. She decided to go out to look for work, for food. She went to glean in the fields, not knowing whose field she would end up in or what might happen to her. That took courage because she might have ended up with a bad landowner, with workmen who might harass her. But she had took her courage and went out to look for food. Now, gleaning isn't a term that we're actually very familiar with today. And I'm sure you all know it means to gather the wheat that was left over in the fields after they had been reaped. And of course, they didn't have the nice big combine harvesters that we have today. The workers went out into the field, grabbed their bundle of sheaves in one hand and their scythe in the other, and had to harvest them this way, or something like that. The stalks that fell belonged to the poor. And that was set out in Leviticus. That was a law. They had to do that. The wheat that fell could not be picked up again. So whatever you dropped, you had to leave there. And you weren't allowed to double back. You couldn't finish one row and go, oh, I've left a lot. Let's go back and pick some up. No, you had to move on because it was enshrined in the Levitical law. They were left there for the poor. They also were not allowed to harvest in the corners of the field. This was a way of providing for the poor, for those that didn't have anything. Now, unfortunately, then as now, there are some unscrupulous people about, and they made life difficult for those who came to glean. They were not fulfilling the provisions of the law. And this was what Ruth went out to try and face. But unbeknown to Ruth, she started to glean in the field belonging to Boaz. A coincidence or part of God's plan? Now, sometimes events can happen in our life. We don't really know why until we look back. Then we might see how God has guided us and planned for us to be in a certain place at a certain time. And the closer we live our lives with God, the more attention we pay to the prompting of the Holy Spirit in our lives, the clearer we can see this happen. So Boaz notices Ruth and asks who she is. And then on hearing that she was a Moabite who returned with Naomi, he goes to speak to her and he encourages her to continue working in the field. And he assures her that no harm will come to her. So that must have been a bit of a comfort for Ruth. And then at lunchtime, he invites her over and offers her some food. 
And then Boaz tells his men to actually leave a bit more of the stalks on the ground so that Ruth could gather up more. So it was a kind and generous provision. So it went more than he was asked to do. And because of that moreness, Ruth was able to take 30 pounds of grain back to Naomi. So not only was God faithfully providing for Ruth and Naomi through the actions of Boaz, it was more than adequate. It wasn't just adequate. It was generous and it was plentiful. And Ruth was able to go every day until the end of the harvest, the faithful provision of food. So can you think of a time in your life when God has provided for you in a bountiful way? Doesn't have to be material things, doesn't have to be food, because God provides for us in so many different ways. And do we remember to thank him? Do we have that attitude of gratitude to thank him for what we have and not to grumble about what we don't have? The faithfulness of provision. So next we move on to the faithfulness of service. Ruth was being faithful in her service to Naomi. She had traveled with her to Bethlehem and she was prepared to go out and look for food despite any danger that there might have been to herself. And she brought back all that she had gathered, including the leftovers from her lunch and gave them to Naomi. She didn't grumble. She didn't complain about the hard work she had to do in order to survive. She gave of her service willingly to ensure that they both had enough to eat. Boaz demonstrates faithfulness to his God by allowing Ruth to work in his field. And even more, by giving her that little bit extra special treatment. He cared for her well-being. He did this as a way of expressing his faith in God. And no doubt, Ruth slowly began to recognize this and to draw nearer to God herself because of it. So Boaz expressed his faith in God by his caring for Ruth. And Ruth expresses her faith in God by her humble acceptance of his care. So your living faith can be seen sometimes in giving and sometimes in a willingness to gratefully receive. So how is your faith shown? Do you serve others willingly and happily? Or are there areas of your life that you could expand upon, that you could serve others more? Because there are many opportunities if only we look for them. But the other side of that can sometimes be more difficult. When others offer us help when we need it, do we gratefully accept it? Or do you sometimes hear yourself saying, no, it's okay, I'm fine, I'll manage, I'm fine, don't you worry. Even when you know you're not. And even when you know that you really could have done with that bit of help. In a practical way, or even just by talking to someone. But Ruth accepted the help when it was offered. We are to accept help when it is offered and be ready to help others. The two of them go together. And the chapter ends with Ruth's continuing service to Naomi because the last sentence of the chapter read, and she lived with her mother-in-law. She still doesn't abandon Naomi. She continues to be with her and to live with her. 
faithfulness of service. And lastly, we come to the faithfulness of hope. There's a lot of hope in this chapter. In fact, there's a lot of hope in the whole book of Ruth. Naomi and Ruth return in the hope that God will provide for them in their own hometown, and God does. They hope they will find a safe place and a refuge, and by God's provision through Boaz, they do. Now, Ruth is surprised that Boaz wants to help her because she is a foreigner. She's an outsider. She's not part of the community. And whereas Boaz is a man of standing in the community, a man of wealth, not necessarily someone you might have expected to help a refugee or an outsider. But he's already heard about Ruth. It's a small place word gets around. And we read that he said, I've been told about all what you've done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband, how you left your father and mother and your homeland to live with a people you did not know before. Now in that sentence, there are echoes of the Lord's command to Abram to leave his native land and his family and journey to an unknown land that you can read about in Genesis 12. And this little echo there points to Ruth as being a future key figure in Israel's story. And we heard last week that she does become a key figure. David is her great-grandson, and Ruth is mentioned in the genealogy of Jesus in the first chapter of Matthew's Gospel. She is an important figure, even though she started as an outsider. And Boaz's next words to Ruth are quite important. He says, May the Lord repay you for what you have done. May you be richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. And this begins Ruth's acceptance into the covenant community of Israel. Because here Boaz is acknowledging that she now comes under the protection of the God of Israel. God is now her defender, her refuge, and she has his protection as she goes on in her life. So Boaz is really the key. He's the key here to Ruth being accepted into the community. He offers her protection and shelter in the name of God. And we will see how this continues next week as we go through the rest of the book. But the picture of a refugee seeking shelter in a foreign land is one that, sadly, we're all too familiar with over the last few years. And yes, the situation is complex, and we're not going to go into that this morning, but there is a challenge here. How do we, as Christians, welcome refugees into our midst? Do we? Do we show God's love? to those who come seeking refuge, seeking hope, seeking a new life to provide for their family? Are we willing to share what we have with those who do not have? And what about other people that are not part of our community, not part of our church? They're living on the margins of society, the outsiders, the stranger who might wander into our church 
Do we accept them as they are? Do we show them love? Do we offer practical assistance when it is needed? Do we help the outsider become part of our community? For we are called to do this as Christians. Jesus said in Matthew 25, For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was ill, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you, a stranger? When did we invite you in? When did we need clothes? When did we clothe you? When did we see you ill in prison and we will go and visit you? And the Lord replies, Truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters, you did for me. So we are called to show love, to help others, to reach out to the outsiders, to those on the margins of society, to refugees. And we do that because of what God and what Jesus has done and given for us. So what Boaz did for Ruth in this chapter might seem a small thing. You might think, well, you know, we just let her pick up a few bits of wheat or grain that had fallen, but it had a huge big impact and it was part of God's plan. We might never know what effect our actions will have. However small they are, they can have a huge impact on the lives of others. Like filling the shoeboxes we're sending abroad, putting in a toothbrush and toothpaste. Nothing to us. We pick them up easily each week in the supermarket. But these things can have a huge impact on those who receive them. Never forget that. Small actions can have a big impact. But faithfulness has been the key in this chapter. God's faithfulness to us and our faithfulness in following him and showing that faithfulness to others. Faithfulness of provision, faithfulness of service, and faithfulness of hope. Amen. Our closing hymn this morning is Great is Thy Faithfulness.
Heavenly and loving Father, we thank you that you are indeed faithful to us all. From no matter our age, no matter our circumstances, we thank you that your faithfulness is more than we deserve, more than we can think of, and more than we can hope for. But we do indeed just thank you for it. And as we go from this place, help us to remember this in the coming week. Help us not be distracted by the busyness of life, by the worries and problems that come along. May we always remember you. And may the blessing of God Almighty, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, be with us all, now and always. Amen.